0: Hey everybody! I'm Anna McEwan, and now for Bob Switzer with the Epic Narrative. Yeah, glory! We are on a roll. I'm. I. I. Uh, I hope you've really enjoyed the first uh, 19 episodes of this. I know we are currently about to start episode 20, and I just. I just get a sense that like these first. Ten chapters really kind of set up the rest of the book. And I think in my my head as a storyteller, a lot of a lot, there's just a lot of details that I think i've I've been drawn into, and and sometimes my brain at least gets really cluttered with how many of these details details need to be part of the epic narrative. how many how many of these details are necessary in order to for people to grasp the story? And I know that it's important, and I know that there are people who are passionate about these these details and have written books about these details. So I'm trying to uh, just let you know I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm always excited. But this is we're 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 about to we're in chapter nine, and we're gonna we're gonna get there. We are gonna get rolling uh, in this book. I think more and more because now we have so many of these principles about the character of God in the principles of identity and purpose drawing us back to the beginning that we start to filter everything through. And I kind of covered that uh, last week when we talked about the way a verse, that last couple of verses of chapter uh, 8 are written, where you could look at it and say, see, God's claiming he's the one who destroyed the earth. But the reality is, I don't think so. Because I don't see it in the character of God. and I don't think he's balanced good and bad. I think he's completely out of balance when it comes to just being good all the time and all through time. Now I do want to uh, I do want to just read because it's this uh, the, I don't know I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do seventeen verses here, but most of it is about the covenant that God makes with Noah. So verse 1 of chapter 9, the, the God, then, ha, <laughs> don't forget then is a time thing. We don't know. We don't know if it's then, immediately following chapter, you know, chapter 9, or what are we, chapter 8, immediately following Noah building the altar. Like, is this still at that time? Or is this a conversation that God has at a later time? After much, uh, you know, after a week of settling in, like Noah brings this offering to God. He, oh, sorry, I just thumped the mic. Um, He brings this offering to God. He uh, expresses a love for God, an appreciation for, you know, rescue, an appreciation for God's heart to try and rescue the world and to uh, bring Noah in on that plan. Like, I think Noah just... He really got what God was after. So I don't know if this is still at that altar at that sacrifice if this is a uh, you know a week later does Noah come back? I mean at this point not a lot of animals are having babies so you can't be sacrificing every week because you'd run out of animals so you know some <laughs> maybe that's how why some things are extinct is because <laughs> Noah sacrifice. Bob that's not funny. Well, it's a little funny. Okay, it's a little funny. It's funny to you in your basement by yourself. You don't know if anybody else is out there laughing. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate your observation that I'm alone in my basement and you're in my head. Okay, great. Let's move on. Then, (laughs) God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Glory. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky and every creature that moves along the ground and all the flesh, all the flesh, all the fish in the sea. They're given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from every human being, too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For the image of God has has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase and multiply, multiply on the earth, increase upon it. And the Lord said to Noah and his sons who were with him, now, that's why I think this may be a separate time because it doesn't necessarily mention that at the end of chapter 8 that, that the sons were with Noah when he when he made that uh, first altar. Uh, it mentions that they all came out, but then in verse 20, it just says Noah built an altar and burned some offerings on it. So they, they could have all been, I wouldn't be surprised if they were all there. I mean, what else are they going to do at that point? But I'm just saying, it makes a point that the sons were all with him. He's like, uh verse 9 and now i establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and every living creature that is was with you and the birds and the livestock and all the wild animals and those that came out of the ark with you and every living creature on the earth i establish my covenant with you never again will i destroy the waters waters of uh, earth with waters of flood never again will there be a flood that that destroys the earth and and god said this is the sign of the covenant i'm making between you and me and the every living creature that is with you and the covenant for all generations to come and i have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And whenever the, I bring the clouds and the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I, I will remember my covenant between me and all living creatures and every, kind of, and every kind, creatures of every kind. Take your time, Bob. Why are you reading so fast? Never again will the waters come and flood to, flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I've established between me and all life on the earth. Da-da-da! That seems a little repetitive, God. Holy smokes. Why you got to keep saying the same thing over and over again? He wants to make sure we get it, I guess. Right? He wants to make sure we get it. So let's uh, break it down. Uh, God blessed Noah and his sons, saying, "Be fruitful, and increase in number, and fill the earth." All right. What does that mean? I I don't think there's really any other way to take it. I mean, I know you can you can probably add other things, but if he blessed them to increase it on earth, then he basically supercharged their testosterone, and he supercharged their wives' estrogen and everybody was ready to make babies all the time that's that's the way i i understand this this was this was this was what was needed there were 8 of you on the earth i need way more babies lots of them i think that a uh, part of this blessing was multiple multiple child children birth so i think that there were twins and triplets i think that uh Yes, it, uh, yes, I know, you're like, well, that would mean that brothers and sisters, cousins, all, they started to marry each other. Yes, yes, it's true. It's true, and geneticists tell us that that was fine. The genetics are strong. It was one of the concepts of what, you know, what they call the blue bloods, right, the royalty, the, uh, the elite, the upper class. <laughs> I almost said the cabal. I mean, I don't, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> Bob, do you believe in the cabal? <gasps> that's for another show. Oh, you cop out! Yes, I know. I did, did I? <laughs> it's not the story I want to tell today. But that's where the elite got the that that mindset, right? You intermarry, you keep you keep your blood from intermingling with the commoners. You keep your your ancestry clean of polluted blood. Listen, I think that was part of the whole issue, as you know this, right, as before the flood. I think the bloodlines were getting were getting polluted with, with the sons of God because I, I don't think that they were humans. I just don't. But we've already established that. Listen to the previous podcast if you want to hear me prattle on and on about it. So I think keeping your bloodlines clean was part of that mindset that just kind of carried over from from these times when Noah and his family had to, in essence, intermarry. And people started having babies early and often. And I think multiples. And I think that's what the blessing here is. God bless Noah as well. Noah and his wife. Whoop, whoop, having some fun. <laughs> that's bad, Bob. Well, it is fun. I think it's fun. Uh, for sure. Uh, I think he also blessed them by uh, f- when he says you're going to be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. I don't think he was like now going to make it really difficult, really difficult to establish yourself on the earth. Really, Like you're going to live in poverty, barely scraping by. I think that that as predicted when Noah was born, Noah broke the curse. Now everybody thought Noah was going to break the curse because of some crazy wild invention that he had but but he broke the curse because he established a new covenant with the Lord and the Lord said I'm going to I'm going to bring favor to you you're going to increase you're going to be fruitful and increase and you're going to establish yourself on the earth you're going to fill the earth you're going to be able to eat and and provide for yourself as you expand and explode all over the earth. So I do think that when the curse was lifted off the ground, it just became easier to produce grain, corn, um, fruit, vegetables. They planted seeds. Things grew quickly. The earth was, you know, the ground was fertile and ready to go. He said, now, The fear and dread of you will fall on the beasts of the earth. earth. I did notice, you know, when I do podcasts and I listen to myself, I think, wow, you really slur words together. You make entire sentences sound like one word. I would be really hard to, uh, like, translate for. (laughs) Not that I think anybody's going to be translating my stuff, but I think sometimes I roll things together so quickly – they would they would be like wait is that one word what what did he just no that's an entire sentence this is one of the reasons why I really uh, unfortunately I never I never applied myself to learning to type there was there was a typing course that I attempted several times and a class in high school that I I attempted but I never it just never clicked <laughs> clicked so I would often use like uh, voice activation. Now, the Apple phone does tend to understand what I'm trying to say, generally speaking, but I remember trying to use uh, another uh, app on my computer, and man, did we have arguments, the two of us. I actually tried writing a book with it once, and I would spend so much time, (laughs) my poor wife would edit it, right? And she would read a sentence that made absolutely no sense, and she she would like, Say the sentence really fast, the way that it was written, and then she'd be like, "Oh, these are the words he meant. Like this makes sense in content. you know." Anyways, bless her heart. Uh, I have no book for you to read because because I just I just I'm not that good at it. It's actually really hard, I think, to trans uh, to to transfer the way I tell a story into a print. But I'll tell you what I I, I issue this challenge. Anybody who wants to, feel free to take my podcast on David, which was all last year, and put it in a book. I will like we can. We can figure out a way to divide the profits if you think it's worth it. Um, but man, it is it is uh, it is no fun. Why are we Why are we talking, Bob? Help me out. Where Where did all that come from? Oh, I I slurred my words together. (laughs) Thank you so much for bringing me back. Okay. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts, all the birds of the sky, every creature that moves on the ground, and all the fish of the sea are given unto you into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you just as I gave you the green plants. Now I give you everything. So this is kind of cool. God's like, listen, this is something I'm going to do. All of animal life is available for you for food. But the difference is animals will now naturally be afraid of you. They will not naturally be your friends. This is a shift from the previous culture that they were a part of. This is interestingly coming. This is interestingly, really? See, this is why it's tough to translate you. This is interesting to me because it notes that By virtue of that sentence, it means that prior to the flood, flood, (laughs) prior to the flood, all the animals of the earth were naturally friendly. That means that, for lack of a better example, like an elephant would naturally walk through town and nobody would be like, oh my God, it's an elephant. They'd be like, oh, it's an elephant. Giraffe, dog, hyena, um, it doesn't matter. Everything was just friendly. Nobody was afraid of animals. Animals weren't naturally afraid of mankind, so they were they were they were available for food, but they weren't afraid. So you just it wasn't like you had to go on a hunt. You just had to like walk outside and be like, mm, I'll take that one. I find that uh, really interesting. Here he's like, listen, all those animals that you just spent over a year hanging out with. They're going to be naturally afraid of you. If you want to eat one, you're going to have to chase it down. You're going to have to trap it. You're going to have to find a way to kill it. Now, all the plants are available. Uh, I give you everything. But don't eat raw meat. Verse 4, right? Don't eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. This is just a natural thing. Now, I do know that, you know, there's there's sushi People are like, well, you can't eat sushi because it's against the law of God. No, 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 no. This is a just a natural thing that God wanted His wanted humans to understand. Don't eat raw meat. This could be dangerous for you. I know it's not impossible. I watched Survivor shows. I watched not not Survivor because clearly that's not Survivor. Like you know, they don't have to survive. They just have to do with very little food and and get goofy like it's all actors anyways but you know you know what show does have it is like alone that show is legit survival stuff and yes some of them eat raw meat but most of them don't they at least smoke it they cook it at some level uh anyways it's a fascinating show move on bob don't so don't eat it raw he's like plants are still an option what plants were available that's what i want to know like looking around this earth at this current time after the flood what plants were available uh let's see Aeon. so looking out over the over the world like what plants were were available there are people who have said in you know in in science uh people like to just cover a plant with water doesn't necessarily rot it. It doesn't destroy it. If it was buried in water, it would have just sat there underwater. It would have been waterlogged, but it might it, it, it might not have been k- killed. So there were probably green plants around. I mean the uh, the dove brought back an olive branch or an olive leaf. so there those sort of things are still out there. I have no doubt that the landscape of the world looked different. and I'm sure uh that that a lot of the a lot of the uh plant life had been ripped out from rivers that had been occur uh, you know uh re- not redeveloped but suddenly de- suddenly developed but generally speaking there a lot of there was a lot of green around and all of those play all of those plants were available so that's kind of cool but he basically said if you want one of those animals to eat you're gonna have to chase it down you're going to figure out where where it went <laughs> because they are going to naturally be afraid afraid of you and find different places to be. All right, in verse five, he says this. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an, an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from every human being as well, or every human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. So evidently, prior to the flood, there was a different standard out there, and God's saying, "Listen, I'm going to establish, an the standard again. There is no killing. Don't kill." <laughs> this is this is another little thing I, I know I, I I beat on this drum because a lot of people think God kills. God God here establishes again the fact that no one should be killing because we're made in the image of God. He's like, You don't kill. Don't kill. I'm I will hold you accountable if you if you start killing people. And then he says, I will demand an accounting from every animal. Which speaks to another thing that evidently was going on prior to the flood. People didn't kill people because you know there was some traditional drawback to it because of our original creator so they would have animals kill people animals remember were friendly so they would train animals to kill somebody or uh they would they would yeah they would prepare an animal to kill somebody he's like i'm going to hold them accountable as well i'm going to hold humans accountable i'm going to account the animals are going to be held accountable I'll demand an accounting for every human being. There's no killing of other humans. Just don't do it. Don't you do it. Don't kill yourself. Don't kill other people. Don't train animals to kill other people. I don't kill. Nobody kills. Got it? This is not a good plan. This just perpetuates a culture that's counter to your identity. Your identity is one of restoration, one of love, one of hope, one of joy. Well, Bob, what does that mean for the prison system? Bob, what is it? does that mean? You're, you're anti capital punishment? Bob, what I'm not going to get into that here. We can talk about it some other time. Here in this story, in this epic narrative, God establishes a standard with Noah don't kill people. I want to hold you accountable if you kill people. Verse 6, whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. He establishes here the idea that if you kill, you should be killed. Is that pro-capital punishment? I don't know. You interpret the verse the way you want. I'm just reading it to you. This is what he means. I think at some level he's saying, that's how serious I am. Do not kill one another. Don't do it. Bob, are you anti-war? Are you a pacifist? Bob, your last name's Switzer. Are you from Switzerland? Are you neutral? Uh, Maybe we'll get into that some other time. But I do know, right here, right now, in this story, God makes something real clear. Real clear. He does not want people to kill people or to train animals to kill people for we are made in the image of God. And if you kill other people, which you should not do, and he does not want you to do, it is a big freaking deal. Then you in turn may be killed. Crazy. Just reading it to you. It's part of the story. But he looks at Adam Adam he looks at Noah and his sons and he says as for you be fruitful increase in number multiply on the earth increase upon it like you can't layer more encouragement to have babies in multiple opportunities to have babies like what what do they call them I I think I know it's probably racist to say it but it's like Irish twins I think they call them when when basically Children are born less than a year apart. And that's what he's saying. Like, just keep pumping them out. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And and the covenant goes on and on and on with every bird, every living creature, every livestock, every wild animal, everything that was in the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I mean, he just keeps going on and on and on about what all this covers. Never again will all of life be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Does this mean that God's the one who destroyed the earth with the flood? No, it means he's putting into practice a a defensive system against the enemy from ever having access to the floodgates of heaven and and to the rivers of the earth in order to bring about this kind of flood. That's what he's talking about. He's making sure that we all know this is the sign of the covenant for you, for me, for every living creature, all generations to come. The rainbow in the clouds will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth, between me and you, between me and all living things. I will remember this covenant every time that the that the rainbow appears. Whenever the rainbow appears in the cloud, I will remember this is an everlasting covenant. This is the sign of the covenant I have established between you and all the life on the earth. All right, so I, for those of you that are listening, <laughs> I've had to stop a couple times because because I've been interrupted a couple times, but anyways, here we go. does this covenant? mean that God did all of this No it doesn't I mean you I do understand why those who think that God periodically gets pissed off and wipes out entire generations or entire nations or in this case the entire planet I get that but but if if you believe like I do that God doesn't kill then this covenant means that God is going to protect the ones he loves from from being annihilated by flood ever again. It doesn't mean the enemy doesn't have other ways to try and annihilate the nations. It just means that God took something off the table. He's like he, he put up a level of protection based on what it has occurred. He's like, I know, I know that the freedom of choice is not going to go anywhere. So I know it's possible that humans will get to the point where where death or annihilation may come and and it does right we'll see it again several times even in this book but he's going to force the enemy to play his hand early and not wait for the entire world to be ready for annihilation he's going to force the the enemy to play the death card sooner in the process so that the entire world isn't sucked into destruction ever again. And that's what it means. It means I'm putting down a line of defense for the people I love. He took the, that result of their choices off the table. So although he didn't remove all possibilities because of, of the fact that he's not going to remove the freedom of choice... He's also establishing in this covenant, I live by hope. I don't live by judgment. I establish things on this earth because I have hope for humanity. I have hope for where they're going. I have hope for the choices they'll make. And by removing the total annihilation by a flood off the table, I believe nations will look at the results of other nations that are making bad choices and say, we need to pull back. We need to hold back. We need to find another way to do business because clearly that direction does not bring about the result that we that we were hoping for. I mean, most of the deception of the enemy is, if you do it this way, you'll get everything you want. So if you're watching other people do make those choices, And not get everything they want, that actually brings about their own destruction, then it causes those who are paying attention to step back and reevaluate the decisions that they're making, to to reevaluate the choices that they're making. It allows for more hope, more life, more uh, peace, uh, more selflessness. It it's it's it is the way of heaven. It draws you back to the beginning. It draws you back to your original identity and destiny. That's what God is establishing in this covenant. And now we 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 get the symbol of this covenant, the rainbow. Now, if there is any, any symbol that has uh, been a, uh, reestablished. In today's culture, it has been the rainbow, right? Because now, if you see a rainbow flag, you think the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, for a long time, uh, well, not when it first when it first started getting reestablished in our culture, it was the gay, gay pride, gay. It was just gay, but then that got rolled into the, LGB, the LGBTQ plus community, and that's uh, that's who seems to have it. And there's also kind of a a backwave of of Christians, I guess you could call them believers, who are like, no, like that's our flag. Like, like wait a minute, this is God established this as a covenant to us that He wouldn't destroy the earth again. How did it become a symbol of just you know this group? And and unfortunately, people divide over this. This is what I know. God's not divided over this. God's not looking at this, going, oh, foiled again. My symbol has been stolen. I must retaliate. Absolutely not. That's just not the way God operates. He wanted us to have a visual reminder that God provides a way out. Every time you see a rainbow, you can think all kinds of things, but one of the things you can think is God provided a way out. No matter how bad things get, God does not abandon... His creatures. He does not abandon those who are created in his image. He's always going to provide you a way out. Now, it's also a visual reminder that God provides protection. He protected uh, Noah and his family. He didn't just provide a way out and say, well, I hope you survive. He protected them. He gave them safety. He gave them warmth he gave them connectivity and and community he didn't just take one of them out or or save you know just noah and his wife and say well you know you may not fill the earth again but at least you'll be you know you're going to survive i want i want a symbol of survival he wanted he brought a a symbol of of provision he he brought a, a symbol of protection and a rainbow reminds us of that. It points us to this event and says, hey, God does more than just provide a way out. God also protects. And then it says, it, you know, not, not it says, sorry. And I, w- I would say that this rainbow also is a visual reminder that we have a responsibility to care for our culture We have a responsibility to look around our culture and say, what can I do to influence this? Now, this particular reminder for me points to a a pattern probably that came out of the modern era. Okay, In the modern era, we're currently in the postmodern era. So in the modern era, there was this this scientific mindset uh, that infiltrated the church. It's not bad. It's not evil or anything, but to find truth you you know you boiled everything down to its lowest common denominator and that became you know the 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 de facto foundation of truth and you built off of that foundation and and Christianity took that on and said okay if we boil truth down to its lowest common denominator then we will have the foundations of truth and we can build unity of the body off of these truths and that's why you have things like creeds and, and uh, statements of faith that were written all over the place. And in, in a, I believe in a passion to, to be unified, they got rid of a lot of things that caused division. I think that's where we lost a lot of the desire of people to go into the supernatural. Supernatural things make people nervous. You start talking in "quote a heavenly language," and people are like, "No, no, 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 no." That that makes that makes people who don't know what you're doing very nervous. We shouldn't do that. You you know uh, you start praying for people to get raised from the dead. That was a common practice amongst Christians for years. Not only was it common, but it was it it happened on a regular basis. You, I, have a, I have a friend wrote a book, uh, his name's Tyler Johnson. He wrote a book called, uh, And the Dead Shall Be Raised. And all he does is provide historic uh, accounts of people being raised from the dead. There are hundreds of them, and not just hundreds of individual ones, but hundreds of records in which people raised hundreds of people from the dead. This was a common thing, but it made people nervous. It, it 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 divided Christians. So so they kind of they marginalized the supernatural. They marginalized the uh, the raising of the dead. They marginalized the healing of people that were sick. They wanted to just find the the few things that we could agree on, so that we could all be unified, and the whole earth could be saved, because the Christians would finally all be connected. And all this scientific method did was it divided and divided and divided and divided and that's why we have i think i think i don't uh i don't even know literally thousands of denominations thousands of them that all claim the bible and and Jesus as as their foundations and yet they divide over everything everything it's it's literally it's insanity to keep track of it And why? Because at some level, everybody was hoping to get to a place where they could be the truth so that they could convert everybody. Now we can bring everybody in because we know what we believe is true. We know that what we have here is the truth and everybody can now be part of it. And the reality is they separated everyone and destroyed unity and made it so that rather than rather than look at somebody who raises somebody from the dead and say wow that is bizarre i don't know if i could do that but i sure am glad they're on my team it was like oh that person's scary and i need to make sure that they don't they don't get in my church because that could scare other people away i think the rainbow is supposed to remind us that we have responsibility to care for culture of the earth and to find things to unite over rather than divide over. And, and the thing that we can unite over it goes all the way back to our original identity. We go back to the beginning. We are established creator uh, creations out of a creator who said, you will be the image of God on earth, and you will reproduce the image of God on earth, and you will spread the garden of God over the whole earth, and the whole kingdom, the kingdom of God will be on earth. You're going to spread it. That's what your that's what your role is, and it reestablishes that that criteria with this covenant with Noah and his sons. He's like, establish yourself, spread yourself. Do not destroy each other. Don't kill each other. Love one another. Uh, uh, multiply amongst each other. Eat whatever you want. But let's fill the earth again with the creation of God. Let's fill the earth again with the image of God. And if you want to destroy something, you know, please don't, basically. Just remember, whenever you see, when you see the rainbow, remember I made a covenant with you. Remember that I love you. That's the kind of thing we need to, we need be, Yeah, we need. We should just stop there. But it's what we should be reminded of when we see a rainbow. So when I see somebody with a rainbow flag, I know they're probably part of the LGBTQ plus community, but this is what I think of. So I appreciate them reminding me of this, that God provides a way out, that God provides protection, that God provides a blessing when the whole culture around me or all my circumstances are negative, that God provides me with an opportunity to care for and to establish a culture on earth that looks like the one in heaven. That's the image of God on earth. That's the kingdom of God on earth. And that's what he establishes here with Noah and his sons. All right, I think we're done today. I know I had some long pauses. I'm I'm guessing Brian will probably take most of those out. I appreciate you guys' patience. Let's move on next week on the Epic Narrative. We will pick up where we left off, as we always do. Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts. All right. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you came and hung out during the entire episode. And now you're all the way at the end, and you get to listen to Bob's thoughts. When I listened to this episode, I thought, wow, I really hit on that, on that not killing thing. <laughs> and I, don't, I, I was surprised. I actually was surprised at how long uh, I spent talking about it. But I wanted to add more thoughts to it because I do think that the, the principle of the kingdom is no one dies. And I believe that about our personal lives. And I believe that about our murder as well. I don't think it was ever in God's plan to have people die or be killed. That goes all the way back to the beginning. As we've talked about before here in Genesis, I don't think Adam and Eve were ever designed to die. And I don't think it's in the heart of the kingdom for anyone to die. So where does murder come involved? I think what he says here, and I don't know if I was that clear about it. That's why I wanted to, to say it again, because I, I just sometimes I have a lot of stuff going on in my brain when I'm trying to talk. In the, in the principles of the kingdom, if you kill, there is ramifications. There are results. There are, there are uh, re, uh, reverberations in the kingdom, in, in, the, in the creation. There's, there's results of your choices to murder are going to be felt in creation. That's, that's really what I think the, the, you know, the principle is showing us. And I think it's also true when it comes to the principle of war i know that war has been declared and and mustered up for all kinds of ridiculous reasons right the bible says that that people war because men lust they just have a need for power and that need for power has been blamed on all kinds of things we've we you know currently if uh, at the time of this recording right there's a war going on in the ukraine between russia and and the ukraine and yet there's all kinds of of questions as to what's really going on and who's really in charge and where's the money going and where are the supplies coming from and how come? I, anyways, I I don't want to get into politics, but there's lots of politics involved in war. Jesus has been has been blamed for so many wars. We can go all the way back to the you know to the Crusades. We can go back to uh, in Europe where where pogroms were were released in order to take out you know, different religious belief systems, there's, there's, you can go to tribal uh, wars in various uh, countries around the world where it's, it's based on their religion, not necessarily Jesus, but based on religion, they just wipe out another tribe based on their gods, Aztecs, Mayas, there's all kinds of tie-ins for war and, and whether they tie it into politics or tie it into the worship of gods or idols or Jesus or or whatever, murder is committed and the creation is impacted. The, the nations are impacted. The, the uh, nature is impacted. And I think in God's principle, when he lays this out, he's like, I don't want this to happen. I'm letting you know that if it does happen, there is going to be something that needs to be paid. There's going to be a... a, a a debt that is owed because creation is not designed for murder. It's not designed for war. And you, you, you know, at some level, you're going to pay for it. Now, please don't think, you know, I, I think everybody in the military are horrible people. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. And and if somebody's like, well, you know, Bob, would you, you know, if somebody was was injuring or or hurting or murdering uh, uh you know or whatever your wife your child you know what would you do would you would you kill somebody for, you know because of that and i think to myself i i I, <laughs> I it's hard it's it's a that to me is a very hard discussion because do i own a gun yes would i pull the trigger i i think i i think i could pull the trigger would i pull the trigger to murder them I don't, th- I don't think I would. I think I would pull the trigger. I think I could pull the trigger. I think I could pull the trigger. I think I could injure somebody. Um, you know, I-, I-, I don't know. And if I did kill them, uh, I don't think it would be in my heart to kill them. But I also don't know. I really don't know if I could actually pull the trigger. It's bizarre. It, to me, it's such a bizarre thing to be put in that position. And... As an individual, but you know, in military where they're trained, and they are they are artists at their ability, and then they are sent by people who have the authority over them. They you know, when you join the military, you give authority of your life over to someone else, and you're trusting them to put you in in the in the best circumstance to put you you know on on a mission. It's it's man, it gets complicated. Real fast, but my heart is that God doesn't want murder and God doesn't want war and creation wasn't wasn't designed for it and uh those are my thoughts cur- <laughs> today on on that uh on that particular subject i um I do want to leave room for people to interact with it on their own and I don't want to I definitely don't want to create a doctrine around this. And I know that there are some who have very strong doctrines on this. And that's, I, I I don't want it to, you know, that's this is your journey. That's part of what we do, right, in the Epic Narrative is we open up, ideally, we open up uh, opportunities for you to say, well, what if it's not quite what I thought it was? What if there's another way of looking at it that allows me to interact in a different way with my circumstances? And that's what I think the beauty of of story is, the beauty of narrative. It it opens up opportunity to interact with our belief system. And then after we've done that, it allows us to interact with our circumstances, possibly differently than before. And that's all I'm looking to do. I hope that this episode helped you do that. I hope all of our episodes help you do that. And I look forward once again, to hearing you, no hearing, I won't hear or see you next week I look forward to you listening. That's what I wanted to say on The Epic Narrative. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys.